you would uh, pray with me, and then we're going to look at that passage together. But let's pray first. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in your name and in this place. Uh, We pray that as we think today uh, on uh, just hearing clearly from you and walking by the Spirit and what that looks like, we ask that you would be the one who leads and guides and teaches us. Uh, Remind us uh, today uh, that you are near that you're at work in our lives, that you want to be walking with us and us walking in you. And so we pray that you would show us that today. We confess that as we open your word, that we can't do any of this without you, that we need you to lead and guide us, that we need the spirit to be moving in this place, to be uh, declaring what is true to us and showing us these things. And so we ask that you would do that today, that we would uh, see you more clearly, that we would uh, leave this place uh, closer to you and understanding more of who you are. And so we ask that you would do this work amongst us. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, I want to ask you uh, a question. I want you to just think about this for a second. Uh, We'll come back to it in a minute, but I want to at least plant the seed and want you to think about this for just a second. Uh, How often would you say uh, that you hear uh, God's voice in your life? I want you to just think about that for a minute. Um, Maybe that sounds like a strange question to some of you. Maybe some of you go, I'm not really sure. I'm not certain when you ask that. Or maybe you go, well, what do you mean? What do you mean by that, hearing God's voice? And um, maybe you say, well, sure, and reading God's word, I hear. And, and I hope you believe that's true, that God does speak to us in his word. But I want you just to think about, uh, maybe the way to say it is, uh, a friend of mine used to say this. Uh, we'd meet together, and each week he would say, uh, what's God saying to you this week? And so I just want you to think about that. If somebody asked you that question, what's God saying to you this week? Would you have an answer? Would that question even make sense to you? That God's speaking to you regularly and that you're hearing him and what that looks like. And so I want you just to think about that for a second. And if that is the case, and you are hearing God regularly, how often is that? Is that daily or weekly or hourly or yearly or whatever that looks like? And I want you just to think about that for a minute and what that looks like in your life and we'll come back to it for just a second, or in, in just a few minutes. But today we're, we're continuing in the series that we started a couple weeks ago, just for the beginning of this year. We're talking about, uh, we've been talking about it in the, these terms, trusting Jesus daily. Uh, repeatable habits and things that we start to put into practice that help us grow up into who we are in Jesus and the way God's created us. And so one of the banner statements over this that I talked about the very first week was from Colossians chapter 3. And Colossians 3.10 says, put on the new self, which is being renewed after the image of the creator. Right, And in that passage, we looked at this a couple weeks ago, but the Apostle Paul says, uh, put to death that which is earthly in you and put on this new self. And this is what it looks like and beginning to walk in that. And so what we've been talking about is, is what are the ways in which we walk in and up into who we are in Jesus? And repeatable rhythms and things that we can begin to do that help us understand who we are in Christ. And so we talked about that the first week, but then the last two weeks have challenged you with different ways to try to do that. And two weeks ago, we talked about blessing others, being a blessing to others, whether in word or deed or gifts or service, but looking for opportunities to bless other people in your life. And the challenge was like, try to bless three people each week, whether that's just words of affirmation or serving them or coming alongside them with one of those people trying to be someone that doesn't yet know Jesus. And then last week, we talked about the second habit of just inviting people into your life and being hospitable 
and opening doors and inviting people in. And the ways we said we could do that is by eating meals together. And we looked at how Jesus did that as a huge part of his ministry and what that looked like. And so I challenged you last week to try to eat three meals during the week with someone outside of your immediate family. With one of those possibly being someone who doesn't yet know Jesus. And so thinking of how to capture your time and the things you're already doing and inviting people into it. And so we talked about blessing others and then eating meals with others. But today, as we talk for the third week about these repeatable habits, I want us to think about this idea of listening to God, hearing God in your life, hearing him in your day to day, hearing the Holy Spirit and what that looks like. And so I just asked you that question. Do you hear God in your life? If someone asked you, what is God saying to you this week? Would you have an answer? And I want us just to think about that idea together today. Uh, and, and the way I'm really framing this and wanting us to think about it is the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. That God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that Jesus promises that he comes and he's with us and he's walking with us and he's guiding us and he's leading us. And so my question is like, is that your experience? If that's what Jesus says is true of us, and we're going to show you that in just a second, but is that your experience? And I want you just to think about that. What does that look like to hear from God in your life? And so this third habit, really we've said bless and eat, and then today is going to be listen. And so this is the way I want us to think about it together. Is first, I just want to sketch for you what scripture says about the availability and the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Just real quickly going to give you a couple things in scripture to think about. And I want you to really think about what the Bible says about this. Of hearing from God and him walking with us and what it looks like to be in the spirit and hearing from God day to day. And so that's the first thing I want us to do is just sketch the availability of the, and the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then second, I want us to consider why possibly we struggle hearing from God. We struggle walking with the spirit as the Bible talks about. Why is it that we struggle with that? But then lastly, I want to challenge you with some ways in which we can grow in it. Right? So we're talking about the big picture of the Holy Spirit in our life, why we struggle to hear from God clearly in the day-to-day, and then lastly, some ways in which we can grow in that. So let's just start with big picture. I'm going to sketch from you some big ideas in Scripture. We're going to look at Galatians 5 together that Ben read for us in just a second. And so if you open to that, keep your hand in Galatians 5. But if you would, turn with me for just a second to John chapter 16. If you want to use the Pew Bibles, that's on page 1112, if you want to turn there with me. But I'm just going to read a few verses to you. Let me remind you what John 16 is. If you were with us last year, we spent a lot of time in John chapter 16. It's part of the farewell discourse of Jesus. It's hours before he dies, and he's telling this to his closest disciples as they gather together. And so this is John chapter 16. I'm going to pick up in verse 7, and this is Jesus speaking to the 12 as they're together just hours before he's crucified. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, 
He will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so real quickly, there's so many things we could look at in that passage. And we spent a long time actually looking at that passage last year. And if you want to go back and listen to those sermons, please do that. They're available and you can go back and hear the whole thing. But real quickly, just a couple things I want you to see here in John chapter 16. Jesus says one of the most remarkable things to me in verse 7 there of John chapter 16. He's there with his disciples, God in the flesh, Jesus, the third person of the Trinity, fully God and fully man right in front of them. And he says to them, it is to your advantage that I go away. It is better for you that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send the helper. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit to come to you. And I am blown away by that statement to think about that. That Jesus right in front of you, walking with you, that you can talk to him, that you can hug him, that he's right there in front of your face. And he says, it's better for you that I go away because I'm going to send the person, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit to be with you and in you and to guide you. And then he says, I'm going to send the spirit to you. And he says in verse 13, he will guide you into all truth. He will declare to you the things that are to come. In verse 14, he says, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And these are Jesus's words and his promise to his followers of the Holy Spirit that is to come. And he says, it's to your advantage. And he's going to take what is mine, what is Jesus's and all that he's done for us and who we are in Christ. And he's going to declare it to you. It's a really amazing thing that Jesus says here. He gives us this promise that it's going to be better and the spirit's going to come and speak and declare and be with us. But then the second thing I want you to consider, and so just big idea, I'm leaving a lot there with John 16, but this big idea, I want you just to grab that, but then go back to Galatians 5 with me. So Galatians chapter 5, Paul's writing to the early church, and he's encouraging them what it looks like to walk in the Spirit, particularly in our passage here in verse 16 and following. And I want to just point out a couple of things that he says to you here in Galatians chapter 5. In verse 16, he says, but I say, Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other. And so he says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What he's talking about there when he says our flesh, he's talking about our sinful kind of bent that we are born into as sinful people and the ways in which we want to ignore God in the world and make it all about the created rather than the creator. And he says, but if you walk by the flesh, you will not do that. You'll, you'll, I'm sorry, if you walk by the spirit, you will not gratify the, the desires of the flesh. But then if you look at what he says right after that in verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And so he's talking about being led by the spirit. He's talking about walking by the spirit. Verse 25, he says, if we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. And so here's what I want you to see. Just real briefly, big picture in that passage, which, by the way, is one of the greatest diagnostic tools, I think, in the Bible of your own heart. Right. Because he's telling you to to live by the spirit and not the flesh. And then right in the middle there, he tells you what it looks like, what the works of the flesh are. And then he tells you what the, the works of the spirit are. And I always said, man, that is so helpful. I read through those lists and I can tell real quickly when I'm slipping into walking in my flesh. 
when anger and rivalry and dissension and frustration and those things start to bubble up versus walking in the spirit when there's love and peace and joy and patience. It's really helpful. Actually, it's a very helpful diagnostic tool of what's going on in your own heart. But when you look at what he says here, the expectation and the understanding is that we can walk by the spirit, that we can be led by the Holy Spirit, that we can keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And that as we do, these works of the fruit of the Spirit start to come out in our life. That's the fruit that there is as we're walking by the Spirit. And so my, my simple point here is this, is that there's an expectation that this is possible. Jesus says, it's better for you that I go away because I send the helper. And then here it says that you can walk by the Spirit in your life. That you can keep in step with the Spirit. And so you start to look at that. And I want you just to think about how amazing that is. That God comes to us, the third person of the Trinity, and lives in us and with us and walks with us and declares to us who Jesus is. And he speaks to us and he doesn't leave us. And the Bible tells us that over and over. Uh, In his great book, uh, Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. If you know who Wayne Grudem is, he wrote a systematic theology that's, that's wonderful. Uh, We've used it around the church here for many, many years. Not that any person's systematic theology is perfect, but Wayne Grudem's is very good. And he says this about the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. Hear the way he says that. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world. He says, this definition indicates the Holy Spirit is the member of the Trinity whom the scripture most often represents as being present to do God's work in the world. That God gives us himself. That he came to us in Jesus to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. But now that he's done this, that we can be welcomed back into that relationship. And the third person of the Trinity comes to live in us and with us and walk with us and to declare who Jesus is and who we are in him and to be with us in all things. And what the Bible says is that we can walk in him. That we can begin to keep in step with the spirit and live in this way. And so when I asked that question at the beginning of how often do you hear from God? How often are you aware that God is with you and in you and speaking to you and walking with you and leading you and guiding you? Because that's the promise that the scriptures give us. In fact, you can read through in the book of Acts and you look at the spread of the church, right? The book of the uh, book of Acts comes right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The work of Jesus and what he's done and it's finished. And then he says, go make disciples. And the book of Acts is from 30 A.D. to about 65 A.D. and how the church explodes. And what's amazing is when you start to read through Acts is you see a bunch of people walking in the spirit. And listening to God and obeying the things that he tells them to do. And if you just start to read through Acts, I'll give you just a couple of examples. Acts chapter 8. There's an Ethiopian eunuch riding along. And there's a guy Philip there. And God speaks to Philip. And you know what it says in Acts 8.28? It says, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And if you know the story, the guy's riding along and he's reading Isaiah. And he doesn't understand. And he goes, who is this talking about? And who is this like? And the spirit says to Philip, go talk to that guy. And he does. And he goes, what you're reading about is Jesus. And he has come and he has finished this work and he's done it. And the guy says, I should be baptized. And he goes, yes. 
And he is. And Philip hears the spirit and he obeys. You get to Acts chapter 10 and Peter has a vision. He's alone in the house. He has a vision. God shows him this thing about the, the gospel going to all people. And then it says in Acts chapter 10 and verse 19, while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation for I have sent them. And so Peter gets up and he goes and the spirit speaks to him and he responds in obedience and he gets up and God goes and he's working in these ways. You get to Acts chapter 13 and the church in Antioch is all together. And it says that they're praying, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, right? So the church is gathered and they're worshiping God and they're fasting. And then it says right there in verse two, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And you see this over and over. You see it over and over in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit speaks and God's people listen and then they obey him and God does a whole bunch of really cool stuff and it happens over and over. And so here's what I want us just to consider that God is still at work and he does still speak. Now, depending on your background and where you come from, I'm going to say this and some of you are going, oh, this makes me a little nervous. And some of you are going, yes, all right, he does speak. And that's exactly true. And I think depending on where you grew up and the way we think about those things, sometimes we get a little bit like, I don't know about that. And then sometimes, I'll be honest, I've met people like that. Sometimes I think we may even go a little overboard. And you go, well, how can you go overboard with listening to the Spirit? And I've had people tell me, the Holy Spirit told me what orange juice to drink. And I'm like, really? Did he? Maybe he did. I don't know. I shouldn't say he didn't. But sometimes I feel like we start to have every feeling that we've ever had and every inclination and we attribute it to the Holy Spirit and go, oh, maybe. But I want us to land in the center of the biblical tension because I do believe God still speaks to us and I do believe he is active and I do believe he's working. But one of my favorite professors in seminary used to say this all the time. He would say, we want to land in the center of the biblical tension. And so this is where I think the Bible brings us. I think Jesus tells us that the spirit is coming and the spirit is active and I think he's still leading us and he's still guiding to us and he still speaks to us and he still is active and he still wants you to be following and walking in step with him. But there's nothing that the spirit is ever going to tell you that is not complete, total alignment with God's word, right? Because the spirit is the one who wrote God's word, right? Men were carried along by the Holy Spirit and that's how we got God's word. The Spirit's moving and working and God speaks and he says these things and God is the same yesterday as he is today, as he is tomorrow and God doesn't contradict himself and so the Spirit's not gonna tell you something that's in contradiction to what he said before. And so there's really, I think, solid ground for us to stand on. Yes, God speaks to you. And yes, there are times when he's coming in your life and he's showing you things and he's right there, but it's always going to be in perfect accord with the scripture. And so holding those two things in that biblical tension, this 100% alignment always in God's word. And by the way, and I want to downplay this, make sure I say this. When you open God's word and you begin to read it, you're hearing from God. I don't want to make this like this this mystical thing that you're looking for this voice that may or may not speak when God's given you his word and every bit of it is true and every bit of it is his word and he is speaking to you in his word. 
But I want you even to think about that when you read the Bible. Do you read the Bible and go, yes, this is God's word and he spoke, but not necessarily to me. You ever feel that way? Like, yeah, he said that and I believe it's true. And he told some people that a long time ago, but he's not really speaking to me. But I think that is available, that he is speaking to you. And God does speak to us. And so if that's true, and God is living and active and he is speaking and he does want us to walk with him and be in step with the spirit and to hear his word, to hear him speaking in our life, why do we so struggle with that? And I don't know, maybe you don't. Maybe you're day by day and moment by moment, you're hearing God and praise God if that's true. But my guess is for most of us, if we went around the room, you go, man, it's hard. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm hearing him real clearly, right? In fact, my friend that used to say that, what's God saying to you? And sometimes it was, I'm not listening very well is what he's saying, I think. And I don't know if that's true in your life, but I think that's probably true a lot of the times. And so why is it that we struggle? And I want to just give you a couple of reasons to consider. If you notice here in Galatians 5 and verse 16 and 17, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And so there's this thing going on in all of us. You put your faith in Jesus, and you are a new creation, right? And the Spirit is now in you, but you're still in this body. You're still in this world. You're still bombarded with things all around you. And it's easy to get carried away in your flesh, It's easy to be carried away of the things in the world. It's why in Colossians 3, Paul says, put to death that which is earthly in you, because it's still here. We're still wrestling with it. And so I think oftentimes we don't hear him clearly because quite simply, we're not listening. We're too distracted. We're too taken with all the things of the world around us that we're not hearing him. And we've got so many other things going on and so much other noise and so much other distraction and so many things happening that we can't hear them because we're not listening. I'll give you one example as I was thinking about this. And I think if you're honest, it will cut to just about every single one of us. I read this this week. The average American spends five hours and 24 minutes looking at their phone. I'm not talking about picking it up. I'm not talking about being on a phone call. I'm talking about looking at the screen and pushing and, right? Five hours and 24 minutes. The average American checks their phone 96 times a day. Yeah. That's once every 10 minutes. I read that and went, that's crazy. And then I opened my phone and looked at my screen time. And the day I looked at it, I had picked it up 78 times. And I went, maybe that's not so crazy. And how easy that is and how much. I think of like the tip of the sphere of spiritual warfare. What better to get you to not think about walking with the Lord and listening to his voice than just getting you distracted? I mean, how many things do you do on your phone that aren't necessarily evil? But they're not good either. They're just a waste of time. I was so convicted this week on Tuesday, I deleted all web browsers from my phone. You know why? Because I read scores about 
the basketball game last night and then I check this news article and then I read this and I just wasted 45 minutes. I go, why am I doing that? And I deleted it and my screen time dropped immensely. And it was really hard the first day, really hard. And then it got a little easier each day. It's like, I don't need to check that now. But how easy that is and how easy it is for us to get sucked into those things. And maybe for you, it's not your phone. Maybe it's watching the news. Maybe it's your binging your favorite TV show on Netflix or whatever it is. And so much that we just get distracted. And it's not really beneficial at all. And you go, well, why don't we not hear God? Because we're not listening. We don't ever stop to listen. We're so sucked into the things of the world that it's so easy for us to be inundated with so many different things. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons, or at least the first reason there, is that we're we're distracted. But then the second thing I would say is that we miss God speaking because we don't recognize his voice. And what I mean by that is we're not attuned to hear him because we never spend time in this. We don't know what he sounds like. God's given us everything that we know we need to know and to love him, to understand how to come to a saving relationship with him, how to begin to walk in wisdom and discernment, and he's given it to us in his word. And we don't ever open it. Or we go, I got five minutes to read it on my way to work, so I'm going to listen to it real quick. And that's it. And then we don't hear him, and it's because we don't know his voice, right? I used this as an example for years. It's been a long time as I've thought about it. But like knowing someone's voice, right? When my boys were little, I think it was Jed and Asher when they were little. When they were three, four, five, they went through this phase where they would come and uh, embarrass Jed. I think it was Jed that usually did it, but he was so cute. And he'd come and he'd go, Dad, Mom said we could have candy for dinner. As a three-year-old, let's go to the store and get some candy. And I go, Mom didn't say that. And he'd go, yeah, 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 she did, she did. I go, no, she didn't. I know your mother. She wouldn't say that. She didn't say that. Or they'd go, Mom said we can ride our bikes without our helmets. <laughs> no, she didn't. Mom's telling random kids in the neighborhood to put a helmet on. She did not say that you could ride your bike without a helmet. For sure. And the reason I know that is because I know my wife's voice. Right? I know what she sounds like. And I know what she thinks. Because we talk every day. We talk when we get up in the morning. We talk on the phone in the middle of the day. We talk when we get home. We talk before we go to bed. I talk to her all the time. I know exactly what she sounds like. And I know what she thinks. And I know when they say that, that's not true. And the same is true as when you begin to spend time in God's word and you know what he's like. And you know his heart. And you know how he's loving and patient and kind and gracious and he pursues his people. And you begin to hear what God sounds like. And then when you hear his voice, you recognize his voice. And the same is true. When it's not his voice, you recognize it's not his voice because you're like, that's not what God sounds like. That's not what he says. But I think so often we miss God speaking to us because we don't recognize his voice. And so we're either too distracted, we're not listening. But even if we do, we don't know what he sounds like because we've not spent time with him. But then the third thing I would tell you 
is what he says here in verse 17. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And the third reason I think we oftentimes don't hear them is the Bible gives us this clear teaching that when we turn from the spirit and we don't listen to them and we do things that are against him, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And not only do we grieve the Holy Spirit, but what the Bible tells us is there's a correlation between the stronger or weaker evidence of his presence based on our response. That when we're we're continuing to ignore what he tells us, and we're walking in sin, and we're walking away from him, and we're, we're justifying the things that we do that we know are not what he's called us to, that we start to not hear him as much. And it doesn't mean he leaves us or he forsakes us, but we're not listening and we're turning from him. Uh, In Thessalonians, Paul talks about not quenching the spirit. I thought about that. that. What does that look like to quench the spirit? I was thinking about, uh, sometimes when I talk with the boys, they'll come in and I'll be reading something or I'll be on my phone or you're reading an email or you're checking a score, and they start talking to you, and you're trying to do two things at once. And they go, you're not listening to me. I go, oh, oh, you're right, you're right, I'm sorry. Or they'll say, you're not listening to me. I go, yeah, I am. They go, what did I just say? You're right, I'm sorry. And I go, say that again. Let me put my phone down. And I'm trying to be better about that. I want to be present with my loved ones when they're talking to me. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to not be listening. But there's times when they say that. And they go, Dad, you go, what? You're not listening to me. And I go, yeah, 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 I am. And they start talking again, and I'm still not listening. And then they finally go, you know what? Never mind. You're not listening to me. And I think of that as a lot like quenching the Spirit. That the Spirit is there, and he doesn't leave you, and he doesn't forsake you, and he's taking what is Jesus, and he's declaring it to you, and he's saying these things, and he's walking with you, and we're not listening. But we're not only not listening, we're turning away from him. Because we're trying to hide what we're doing that we know it's not what he's calling us to. Right? Like that that whole list that he gives you. But the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. All those things that we turn from the spirit and we indulge our flesh and we don't listen to them. And we continue to not listen to him. And his voice gets quieter and quieter. Not because he's not there. But because we're embracing our sin rather than following him. And the Bible tells us that the evidence of his presence, stronger or weaker, is in correlation with your response to him. Now the good news of that is if you go, I'm not hearing him. And you're right. And there's things that I'm hiding. And there's things that I'm not, that I know are wrong. The good news is repent today. Right? Turn to him today and he meets you in the middle of that. That the spirit is there to declare what is Jesus's, which is you are a hopeless sinner, but that Jesus has done for you what you could never do for yourself. And God forgives you and what Christ has done for you. And that's what the spirit declares to you. So don't hide those things. But I would tell you, if you're never hearing him, there may be a correlation between the not listening and the being distracted or the secret sin that you're not confessing, that you're not bringing before him, and then you're not hearing him. 
And so there's a whole lot of ways in which we miss that. And it's easy for us at different times to do that and to miss what he's saying to us. Whether it's sins of omission where we're just ignoring him and we're not putting aside time to seek him. Or maybe it is sins of commission where you're doing things that you know God calls you not to do. And you're nursing those little sins and you're holding them tight and then you can't hear them because you're walking in the darkness rather than the light. And we're not listening to them, right? Because the works of the spirit are against the works of the flesh and those things are not happening at the same time. You're either walking in your flesh or you're walking in the spirit. So how do we grow in this? Right, we said this is a series, Trusting Jesus Daily, Simple, Repeatable Habits that will help you in beginning to do this. And so listening to the Spirit in your life. And we say trusting Jesus daily. I think the best way to begin to think about this is look to Jesus. You know, in John chapter 1, it says uh, that the Spirit remained on Jesus. In John chapter 3, it says the Spirit was with him without measure. Right, So in everything Jesus did, he perfectly walked in the Spirit. Moment by moment, perfectly in every way. Now, I've heard people talk about Jesus walking in the Spirit and the way we walk in the Spirit. And they put them side by side, and you too can do everything that Jesus did. And you go, there's, there's one problem with that. Jesus was God, and he was sinless, and he was perfect. That doesn't mean that now in Jesus that you too are in Christ, and this is available to you, but my flesh still gets in the way. And so I need to continue to trust him and to walk with him. Jesus perfectly walked with the Father in all ways and all things. But here's the thing I want you to remember. What the Bible tells us, though, is that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are yet without sin. So he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be distracted. He knows what it's like to have people pressing in on him at every moment. He knows what it's like to have so many people talking to you and wanting your time and all these things. He knows all of those things. And so when you start to look at scripture and you start to look at how did Jesus deal with this and how did he continue to walk perfectly in the spirit in all things. Luke chapter five. It's the beginning of the year of popularity with Jesus. If you were with us, we did three years, right, of Jesus's ministry. The first year, he's kind of coming on the scene. Then all of a sudden his popularity takes off and everyone wants a piece of Jesus. And that's beginning to happen in Luke chapter five. And in verse 15, but it says, even more as the report about him went abroad and the great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And you see this over and over in the gospels. All these people are around Jesus and he says, see you later. And he slips off. Sometimes he goes off and he stays up all night. And he seeks the father and he spends time with the spirit. And he's seeking him in these ways and in these things as he gets alone with the Lord. Matthew chapter 6, he tells us how to pray. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who is in secret will reward you. And so here's what I'm driving on. As you start to think about how do we begin to cultivate this habit of hearing the Lord and I'm going to tell you, this is the challenge for you. Talk about bless three people, try to eat with three people. Your third challenge today is that you would spend time this week at some point, at some period during the week, alone with the Lord. 
I mean, turn off your music, turn off the TV, go to a quiet place and sit with the Lord and ask him to meet you in that. And then listen. I'm really convinced that he shows up. But oftentimes we're too busy to hear him. And we're not listening at all. And so here's the challenge. I'm going to tell you, for some of you, this is going to be brutal. You're going to be two minutes in and you're going to be like, oh, I got to touch my phone. Seriously, it's hard at first, particularly where we live and the way we live and the way we operate. The idea of being alone in the quiet with the Lord for 20 minutes. I'll I'll be honest with you. You might have to work up to that. It might be two minutes this week and four next week and six the next week. And it might take you six months to get to where it's 20 or 25 minutes. But God calls us and he says, come Get alone with me and be quiet with me and listen. And I think he does meet us in that. Right? And as you're reading God's word, and you're, I think a great way even doing that is you read through the scripture and you pray and you spend time and then you put all that stuff down and then you say, God, what do you want me to know? You know, my friend, I told you, that used to say, what's God saying to you? He would say, hey, wherever you go this week, and maybe you can add this in as part of it. He says, wherever you go this week, uh, if you're going to the ball field to pick up your kids or whatever, uh, go five minutes early and just ask God what's next. Who do you want me to talk to? What does it look like today? God, would you lead me in what I'm supposed to do next? What's next, Lord? I'm going to tell you right now, that gets really cool really fast. I've done that for years, and I don't do it all the time. Uh, I confess, I forget a lot, and I'm late a lot, and I'm <laughs> just trying to get there. But if you do that, it's amazing how all of a sudden your eyes are tuned to the way the Spirit's working. And suddenly there's people all around you. And suddenly people are telling you stuff and and you go, whoa. And God starts to show up and he starts to show you those things. And he does speak to you. And he is living and he is active. And so here's my challenge to you this week. What's God saying to you? Bless three people. Word, deed, action, gifts. Look to eat with three people this week. And maybe it's one, maybe it's two. But look to invite people into your life and then spend time getting alone with the Lord. Ask God to speak to you. As he does, write it down. What is God saying to you? I like to ask the question, what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Because a lot of times I go, oh, I think he told me I should go talk to my neighbor. It's like, great. So when are you talking to your neighbor? Let's be obedient to the things that he calls us to. So would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are living and active, that you are at work, that you tell us, that you speak to us, that you know us intimately, that you don't leave us or forsake us, that you are here to declare who we are in Jesus, to show us these things clearly. Would you give us ears to hear? Would you help slow us down in the busyness of our life to hear you when you're speaking to us? Would you help us to spend time seeking you in your word so that as you do speak to us, we hear and know your voice? And Lord, we want to be obedient to the things that you tell us and show us. We thank you that you promise us that you are with us and that you never leave us or forsake us, that you 
are at work and you are active. And so give us eyes to see the ways in which you are working. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.